Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. One of my observations in studying and being around launchers is that there comes a moment of courage where they actually have to say out loud to another human being, I'm actually going to try this. I'm actually going to launch this. And in that moment, it requires courage because not only are they putting the idea out there, they're also putting themselves out there and they're putting themselves in a vulnerable position because it's one thing to say, I'm going to launch this, but now you have to follow through on doing that. And as you do that to your circle and your network, it puts you in a very vulnerable position because everybody's wondering and watching to see if you can make it come to life. Well, that's exactly where our guest found herself not too long ago. Emma Pitts decided to launch her own company, and so she began to talk to a few people within her circle of network and her friends and and said, hey, I'm going to launch this. I'm going to try this. And this, as you're about to hear from Emma, it required a lot of courage. But What it also led her to was a fantastic opportunity, which ultimately helped her take this idea, turn it into reality, and sustain it, her own company. And if you've been following us for any length of time, you know that's one of the things we want to do here at Launch University. We want to help you take your idea, turn it into reality, and sustain it. Whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to innovate within your existing organization, or you want to launch a church, a business, a nonprofit, whatever, We believe that ultimately it's going to require some courage, not only to say those words, but have the know-how and the knowledge of what to do once you say those words and put yourself out there. So in our interview with Emma today, she's going to tell you about that moment. She's going to tell you some of the high moments. She's going to tell you about some of the current challenges that she is experiencing uh, in her growing business. And ultimately, we want this to be an encouragement and an inspiration to you. We really do believe that you can help make the world a better place by launching whatever dreams and ideas are inside of you. So we're so grateful that you're part of the Launch University community. As always, don't forget to subscribe and allow this content to come directly to you. We uh, have a podcast each and every week. And not only that, as you think about your idea and trying to turn your idea and bring it into reality and sustain it, as we've been, if you've been with us any length of time, we've been talking about the fact that a great idea doesn't sell itself, that you need great communication. And so don't forget about uh, the, our resource that we have here at Launch University called myelevatorpitch.net. And you can see that resource there and get all the helpful content that we believe your idea is going to need. Because again, a great idea doesn't sell itself, but a great idea plus great communication equals momentum. Speaking of momentum, that's what Pulse Bark has right now. Emma and her team are doing a fantastic job. I was actually at an event, speaking at an event, just last week where her team was there and they did an incredible job. So you're going to get to hear her story. You're going to get to hear that moment when she said, okay, I'm going to launch this. And you're going to hear what happened as a result of that. So thanks for being a part of the Launch University community. And here's Emma Pitts. 
Well, David, I'm intimidated. I, I, we're at Atlanta Tech Village, and I'm like the lowest tech person here. And you, you actually graduated from Georgia Tech, so at least you have some credibility here. I don't know. Things have changed since I graduated. <laughs> the things they're working on here now, we had no concept of back in those days. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about Atlanta Tech Village, but our guest today is a great friend of mine, Emma Pitts. I've known Emma for years now. And Emma, a few years ago, started her own business. And so, as you know, as part of the Launch University community, we want to put uh, people in front of you that have an, had an idea and they've turned that idea into reality and they sustained it. So, Emma, first of all, thanks for being with us. Great to see you again. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you all. Thanks for the tour of Atlanta Tech Village as well. We'll talk about that in a sec because it's a really fascinating place. But talking about an idea that you had and that you sustained, tell our listeners a little bit about what PullSpark does and how long you've been going. Sure. So at PullSpark, um, our mission is to help brands visually immerse their audience within their story. So if That's it good. has to do with anything visual from videos to 360 to VR to a live event, we want to help your brand visually immerse their audience into your story so that they're now involved and emotively a part of it. So that's what we do. And we started three years ago and I kind of fell into this, to be honest with you. I, um, left a job and kind of interviewed at a couple different places, wasn't sure what I was going to do. And my sister-in-law actually challenged me and she said, you know, Emma, you always have all these ideas. I just really think of anybody, you should just start your own thing. And I think it was just that small belief from somebody that spoke it over me. And I said, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I want to try it. Um, so we started PullSpark. And how long ago was that? That was three years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the only bad thing about the story is that you were working with me and yes. then you decided, I want to go do my own thing. And here you are. So yes. wise decision to leave. Me, by the way. That kind of makes you a launcher though, Jeff, right? You, That's you, true. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, Emma, as I listen to you tell that story, one of the things that comes to mind is you could be really good at creating something that people just love. But you might not be so good at telling the story mm -hmm. about it, which mm -hmm. is going to be important to growing it and, and engaging more people and mm -hmm. sharing it. So I uh, love the idea that you can come alongside somebody else and help them at something they may not inherently be great at, tell their story, which is going to be critical to their ultimate success. Correct. And we learned that from the best. We learned that. I worked at North Point Ministries, as Jeff said, and their ability to tell a story and guide an audience through the ultimate story um, is second to none. And I saw what they did there and thought, hey, I think we can bring this to other people um, and show people how to do things a little bit differently. And that was really uh, the motive. And the, the thing that, you know, when everybody says when you launch a business, well, what problem are you trying to solve and what are you trying to do differently? I was always on the other side of it where I was hiring people similar to me. And it really was just a customer relational battle to some degree. A lot of production companies, a lot of visual companies are owned by a technician. I don't know if you all have talked about the e-myth a lot on this mm -hmm, podcast, mm -hmm, yeah. but my business Bible. And um, not that that's a bad thing, but they're mostly owned by technicians, which can be a director. It could be an editor, somebody who kind of does all things. And when it comes to making really tough decisions on a story or that if a, if a client's like, no, this is what we do, typically the person who created the visual has a hard time making that cut. And there can be a little bit of tension in the relationship because they don't ultimately want to do it. Mm -hmm. So we came into the market and said, hey, we don't want to actually have a director on staff. We want to work with a bunch of different directors because a director is like a painter. Some people paint with oils. Um, some people paint with watercolors. Um, directors have different styles. And we wanted to work with a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different directors, but we felt like we could really help manage 
manage the story with the client and guide them in the right direction and help navigate that relationship. And that's the feedback we've really gotten is said, your process and how we get to work with you is second to none. And I think mm. has been the catalyst to our growth. That's so good. Because what you're describing is a differentiator. A, this is what sets us apart mm-hmm. from... So as a launcher, you've got to have that. What sets you apart? What makes you different? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the questions I love to ask launchers, Emma, like yourself, is so you file the paperwork, you, you know, you're, you're official, it's day one. Like If you know what paperwork to file. <laughs> <laughs> right. Amen to that. It's like, I got a couple notices in the mail, I think, after like the first six months that was like, oh, I didn't know I needed that. That's a recurring theme. We hear people say, yeah, uh, yeah uh, we, we had one guest that, um, I mean, she went to Harvard Business School and she's talking about, but nobody teaches you about all this little nitty gritty stuff you have to do if you're going to exist and stay legit and stay out of trouble with the IRS yeah. and all that kind of good stuff. And the so. second you have it figured out, something else happens, you have to up your general liability or something, I don't know. But just to speak to it real quick, that's one of the great things about being in Atlanta Tech Village, which is a startup hub, is I can go to my neighbor next door and say, hey, tell me all the paperwork you filed because you've been around a little bit longer than me. And so surely you've got this down, right? So, that, you know, but it's tough to figure out because it's a lot. That's big. I mean, we heard the same story from Jeff Schinnerbarger, who was one of our guests who helps a, a lot of folks that are kind of getting started up. You need, whether you work in the village or not, you need a village, right? You right. need folks that can be a support network who've stepped in stump holes you don't want right. to step in. So just know if you're out there doing your thing, you don't have to do it all. You don't even have necessarily know how to do it all, but you need to know some people who do. And know how to ask, right? That's yeah. it. And that should be very encouraging for those of you that are thinking, paperwork, what? So you that, that, that's good, Emma. But so... But at what point you sit down and you go, what did you do? Did you call somebody? Did you email somebody and say, hey, how did you, what was your first client? How, tell us to, about the early days. I Googled a lot in the beginning. <laughs> <All right>. Google <laughs> is think, your friend. I think Google is our, our best uh, tool as a launcher. Um, no, I, I just, I started getting the word out. I said, hey, I'm going to do this. This hmm. is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do these six things. And then once I kind of figure out more of what the market needs, I'm going to hone it in. And I know I needed to hone it in, but I just kind of put a little bit, I casted a wider net. And a girl who was in my, you know, North Point ministry small group said, hey, I think I know somebody that may do something like that. Um, And she said, you're going to be doing events and video and like engaging an audience. And I said, yeah. She said, yeah, I think I know somebody. It's my friend, Stephanie. I'll introduce you over email. She works for somebody. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name's John Maxwell. I don't know. He's maybe written a book or two. (laughs) And I said, yeah, yeah, I've I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, I know who he is. And uh, so she she sent the email and um, I went to lunch with Stephanie. I'll never forget it. We were at Panera and she was telling me all about this event. She said, well, it's a live event. I said, yeah, no, thank you about that. Produced every Sunday. (laughs) Um, And she said, it's got some great communicators that really, you know, expect a lot. And I said, yeah, I know a lot about that. Worked (laughs) with Jeff Henderson. No. And, um, she said, and we stream it online and, you know, we're looking for a new partner. And I said, well, I know a little bit about that because, um, I oversaw the online streaming at North Point Ministries. And I said, Hey, I'd love to put together a proposal for you. And I think making that first ask as a launcher is so hard. And inside, what I was telling myself was, I should probably just send her a proposal for producing it and then next year try and get the whole event. 
Um, mm. and my husband was like, no, you need to send her a proposal for the whole thing. You need to just go for it. And, um, so I texted her, I said, Hey, I'm going to send you a proposal for the whole thing. And she said, that's great, but I don't have any clients. So I want you to know <laughs> you're my first, <laughs> you're my first. <laughs> and this is your all's biggest event of the year. And so I sent it to her and we went back and forth and they asked for references and David Hoyt was the president. And, you know, to this day, I just owe a lot to David Hoyt, who's the president of the John Maxwell company and Stephanie, because they said, listen, you know, we know a lot of the people that you used to work with and we really feel like we can trust you on this. And they gave us the whole event. So we oversaw programming videos. We produced it. We oversaw the online streaming. And that was our first client. I always wondered how John Maxwell hit it big. And, <laughs> and, and now the story has come out. That's awesome. It was pretty scary. It was pretty nerve wracking. But when it was over, I think you just, I just went into it and said, I'm not going to think about how big of a deal this is. I'm just going to go in and do it. And then once it was over, I, I just kind of sat around and thought, oh my goodness, we just did this. You know, that's phenomenal. I want to go back to the, it took, did it take some courage to tell people I'm going to do this? 100% mm -hmm. because there are, and the voice in the back of your head is, well, if nobody hires you and you're putting this out there, then you're going to fail. You mm -hmm. know, it's that F word that we don't like to talk about right, as right. launchers and entrepreneurs. Um, so it's, it was very scary. But that led to the John Maxwell. That yeah. led to, yeah. So I think that's one of the things I've continuously learned along the way is you just need to be bold with your ask. Um, mm. And that's something I'm still learning. Um, even last night I was with a client and I said, who can you connect me with in the next 30 days? That's gold right there. And I learned from somebody to put a timeline on it um, and ask them, or who can you connect me with in the next two weeks? Because it really, when you give people a deadline, they're more likely to do it. Um, and so, yeah, she said, oh, I could connect you with the Arthur Blank Foundation. We're, we're, and I was like, I've, oh. I've heard of him too. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> All right, this is, a, this is a drop the mic moment, David, because um, so you're, you've got a, you're, you got a client, but then you're bold enough to go, hey, we're going we're gonna to serve you, but can you connect me with somebody that I can build my client base with mm -hmm. in the next 30 days? That's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. So what year was the John Maxwell event? That was three years ago. It was the first year we started, wow. six months after I filed for the LLC, what the event was held. Mm -hmm. And then since then, you've worked with some other companies that people may have heard of. There's Chick-fil-A, Chick Chick is Chick -fil -A. that right? So, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I think they're an up-and-comer, too. Yeah. And you, you actually got to see uh, Emma's work. She was been working with Brand Apart at, that does some work with Chick-fil-A, but you got to see her work. I did. We have an annual meeting with all of our restaurant operators and our support center staff and spouse. It's a big meeting. Like We just came back a month ago. It's 6,000 people wow. in a room. And so one of the things we do at that meeting every year is we have a big award show to celebrate um, our operators and the ones that just do an incredible job building their business. It's, it's, we really try to honor them. They win cars. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. But the show has become big time. And I can just tell you, I sat there and watched this show with my wife and said, I cannot imagine having the responsibility for trying to figure <laughs> this thing out because it was so well done and so complicated. You've got like Broadway dance numbers and special effects. And last year we had Jennifer Hudson there 
It's just a lot going on, you know, and I'm like, holy smoke, who did this? And now I get to meet the person that did this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's probably one of the funnest things we get to do. Brand Apart is a local agency here in Atlanta, and they put on the entire conference for Chick-fil-A, which is called Next, like you mentioned. So they've got a production team there. They're building everything out. They're designing everything. And two years ago, they called and said, hey, will you come partner with us and be the creative producer for Red? Which that really means, creative producer can mean a couple different things, but really in our world, it means that you're going to come in and program the show. And what which that, is like an hour and a half. Which or, is an hour and a half. And, and program the show means what does an opener look like? Who is hosting it? Down to details like what are they wearing? Um, what's on the screens? What mm. stories do we tell? How do we celebrate these winners? How do we load them on and off the stage? Um, or stages. There's or multiple stages. stages. <laughs> yes. yeah. Cars um, rolling into the venue, yes. all kinds of crazy yeah, things. Yeah, we had our host drive a car in this year, and uh, it was a neat moment. He got everybody dancing, which is a tough job with that room, 6,000 people, but he did a great job. It's a lot of fun. And I want to, again, I want to connect this. So you're at this multi-billion dollar organization. It's a massive event that they're spending millions of dollars on. But I always, I want to go back to, I put a question out to people or a statement out to friends. Hey, I'm going to do this. So we talk about this principle. It's actually a biblical principle. Don't despise the days of humble beginnings. Now I'll say this, Emma, you really didn't have humble beginnings when you went from that humble beginning to John <laughs> Maxwell and then Chick-fil-A. So you may not be the best example of that, well, but no. we there were six months in between Gwinnett <laughs> Church true. and Yeah, she didn't follow her paperwork. Maxwell. So maybe that's yeah. the, that's the <laughs> They don't know we exist. No, I'm okay. kidding. Um, no, I think the, I think, yeah, we, we were very fortunate and very blessed and have not had it as tough as other people. But I think the humble beginnings is even when it's over, that first event is over, it's always like, what's next? Because in my industry, there's this tension to manage that's never solved that you're kind of hired for the next job based on the one you just finished, right? Because we're a visual service industry. Um, And so one of our values at PoolSpark is honor. We have this wall of honor in our office where, you know, there's a lot of production companies, a lot of event companies, visual companies, but I tell our staff all the time is I want to be known for how we honor people, both contractors and clients. Mm. We have this wall of honor that if we get that in the mail or something from somebody, it goes up on the wall. And so I try and focus on that, which is really hard instead of all the time, is this video good enough to get us hired for the next one? You know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it still has to be great in order for them to call you back. And I think there's some very, you know, projects in the beginning where it was like, we just have to do this and we're not going to make money on it because we have to show people what we're capable of mm-hmm. because we're such a, you know, the product we're selling is visual. So those are kind of some of our humble beginnings as far as, there was a lot that we didn't make money on, you mm-hmm. know, because we just had to do it. We had to take the job to right. to get, build that momentum. I want to ask you a question, kind of a how you make the sausage sort of question. Okay. Do you guys use a creative brief in your process? We do. I think that could, that concept could be really helpful for a lot of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what a creative brief is and how it comes into play as you're looking to tell a story and achieve a certain outcome with mm-hmm. an audience? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things on that is when we first started, I was doing all of this in my head, right? This creative brief and this creativity was all just kind of happening internally. When I hired my first employee, I thought, oh goodness, I need to somehow put this to pen to paper and make a process 
so that as we grow, people know what, what our process is. A lot of people have creative briefs, different things, alg- you know, algorithms, diagrams that they use as, that they use for storytelling. And we definitely have one at, um, at PullSpark. And our goal is to take people on a journey that is feel, think, do. So we begin with emotive, which is feel. We want to make people feel something, whether it's a live event or a video. We want to create an emotion at the beginning, which is a catalyst to introduce a new thought. And when you introduce a new thought and they're already emotionally connected, then you can ask people to do something. So that's our process is feel, think, do. And within that, we have things that are kind of the pull spark way, things that I like to do, which are bookends. Um, You know, at the Chick-fil-A show, it was... You know, we had this audio experience at the beginning and the end. Bookends are really important to me. When we do videos, I'm like, hey, what are the bookends? How are Audio we experience means like a Hamilton-style, <laughs> incredibly complex dance music number. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how are we opening and closing as part of it? Um, and so we use, to get really tactical, we use... Um, Dropbox paper. And I created a template that said, anytime we're doing a new project, any of our producers have to go in and fill in all these blanks so that I can review them and look at them and they're kind of following the process. And then we hand it off to our editor. So by the time our editor sees something, a video or anything like that, he's got an, an entire creative brief that's thought out of like, here's how we think we want to start. Here's the emotion at the beginning that we're trying to create. Here's the new thought that we're trying to introduce. And here's the call to action, what we want people to do at the end. And here's the bookend. Um, So it allows our editors to move more efficiently because they're not trying to figure that out in the edit. If we do that as producers on the front end, we know exactly what we're filming when we get there, exactly what the interview person needs to say. And then our editor knows exactly what emotion they're trying to create, which allows our team to be way more efficient Last year, we exported over 1,200 videos. Wow. So the the reason I bring this up, most of our listeners are never going to do anything as complex as what we've just described, but every one of our listeners needs to communicate. Mm -hmm. And I think the process that you use has application. Mm -hmm. A creative brief is forcing you to think through, where's my audience right now, and where do I want them to be after I've communicated or told a story? And, And then as you talk about feel, think, do, you've got a, a means to get them there. Right. And so it's just important for our listeners to recognize as they're selling their idea or recruiting or trying to raise money, they need to take into account, where's my audience right now? Ultimately, where do I want to get them? And how do I think I'm going to progress them? Which actually speaks to Elevator Pitch, which is a, a tool that we've developed at Launch University to, to help our listeners do just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we actually want to, you want to put yourself in the shoes of the customer, in the shoes of the, the people that are attending your experience. Once you do that, it creates empathy and a connection with your audience. Now, Emma, one of the things uh, a lot of our launchers ask when they have an idea, they have to figure out a name. And that can be actually the hardest thing many times. So tell us about how you found the name PullSpark. Uh, how did, was that process? It's, yeah. it, I, it's a fascinating process. I, a question for me because it's always a little bit different, yeah. but then there's always some similarities as well. So how did you come up with the name? Well, we started with a different name, which I'm sure is pretty common. And I was, it really honestly stressed me out in the beginning because I thought we're a visual company. I've got to nail this the first time. And I felt a really heavy burden for that. And then I just had to let that go. But we started as crafted productions. And then I decided that I thought that that didn't have as wide of a, a cast as I wanted it to have. 
Um, and so about a year into it, we pivoted and I worked with Candy Shelton, who, you know, actually, um, he's a good friend of mine. She's a writer, she's a singer, but ultimately she's a writer and she helped me. And then another girl, Maddie, who's a, a designer at market wake, one of our partners. And I gave them how I wanted the brand to feel. And I said, I want the brand to feel like you're sitting around a campfire and there's no distractions and you're somebody's telling a story. And that's what I want the brand to feel like. That's what I want our visuals to feel like. People are so engaged that they're in this place. And then also I love to hike. I'm section hiking the AT. It's a side hobby. I love to get out in the mountains. Um, and so I was like, this is something I can get behind personally too. And they came up with it. And also something that was important to me was to get something to get the trademark too. I really wanted to have a name that nobody else had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to go through that process was way more paperwork and for another day, <laughs> but um, they, yeah, they came up with it I, instantly. When they told me that I was like, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we're going. And David, you may not know this, but when we had our very first launch university breakfast session at Rome, Emma was there. So mm-hmm. I credit all of her success to launch. university. <laughs> oh. Yes, I think we should credit any yeah any success we have to her her yes, the vibes that she brought. <laughs> That's right, one hundred percent. Now we've been talking about the highlights, uh, but there may have been some challenges along the way. And if there are no challenges along the way, that that'd be cool. But were there days where you're like, oh my, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Or days you wanted to give up? Or yeah. you know, tell us about how you pushed through those. Yeah, I'm actually coming out of a season. Um, really recently over the past few weeks that was probably the toughest season. Um, and I think it, it was a couple of things that the first reason is, you know, in my last couple of jobs, I didn't, I didn't know how to be a leader. I didn't know how to handle conflict. I didn't know how to bring people along with a vision. I just didn't learn that, you know, and I, I learned it in my last job, but I just was kind of fumbling along the way. I was around some, some of the world's greatest leaders, I believe. And so I've watched them. I was picking up skills, but I still feel like I'd never really nailed it. You know what I mean? That I'd never was like, man, that was, I led that team. Great. You know? Um, and so when I got into this, I didn't really struggle with that at first because it was just me and I was working with clients. And at the end of the day, I wanted the, you know, the clients to feel like they were right. And I didn't have a team of people yet. I mean, I was leading contractors, but it was, it wasn't a daily thing. And really this season we went from three employees to four, which I've always heard as a catalyst, you know, for a lot of things. And man, that is true. And I think I had this moment where I was like, Oh goodness, I'm leading these people. Where am I leading them? How do I do this right? I want to steward this really well. I want this to be the best place they've ever worked. I want it to be fun. And I'm a serious person. so <laughs> um, And so I just kind of got inside my own head of, of, can I do this? And I think that, I mean, I think every launcher, every entrepreneur has doubt along the way. I never doubted the work, but I came through the season where I kind of doubted, can I lead these people? Can I do this? And it was full of some of the toughest leadership challenges the last like three months, honestly, that I've had to face in the business. Just things from a client that wanted to pull out of a contract that was already signed. It's like, okay, how do we steward this well? How do we lead the team through this well? To, you know, having to hold the team responsible to things. And, you know, am I setting them up for success? And is this really their fault? Or is it my fault that they didn't meet this deadline? Like, you know, how do I lead them through that? And, um... So yeah, I think I'm kind of coming out of this season where I struggled with that that doubt a little bit and thought, I had some days where I thought, 
well, maybe we shouldn't get any bigger. You know, maybe we shouldn't grow and, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. I mean, I think everybody asked that question. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I looked for a couple mentors and I said, this is, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. And um, I started meeting with one of them weekly and very has tactically just helped me walk through situations of like, how do I lead this person? How do I get them better on the other side of this? So they're moving forward, you know? Um, That's a very important point because I think sometimes we don't feel like we should have people coaching us. Like we're at a certain level, we don't need a coach, but mm -hmm. I think everybody needs a coach. Mm -hmm. So for you to reach out and go, hey, I, I need some help here. I'm going to reach out to some mentors mm -hmm. and the fact that you're meeting with them on a weekly basis is huge. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> But I just, I think I just wanted, I wanted to meet weekly because I wanted tactical. And I think the reason it probably weighed on me more is Pool Spark is my baby. This is, this is like my family's future. My husband's in this business, like, and I want to do it right. And I want to do it well. And I want people to say that was the best job I ever had. I want to recruit the best people. And so at the same time, you're trying to grow this business and handle the finances and gain clients. You're also trying to be a great leader, you know, so your team can perform well. So it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Um, can I ask you a question yeah. about your team? You don't have unlimited resources when you're getting something started, but you have a lot of needs. And so how do you decide who's going to be on the team, you know, officially on the team full time and, and then where you have to go and contract out or outsource another need because you referenced that earlier when you were talking about you didn't have a director on staff you're using an array of directors right what's the principle that you use that might help some of our listeners right well our industry is a little bit unique in the fact that we'll always be heavy with contractors a lot of you know we're hiring sound engineers for the day a lot of these people make just day rates you know when they're waiting on the next job um, I think I've learned that in our industry, editors are probably the most important thing and producers are the most important thing that we can hire. Um, and once I got to a point when I was starting the business, I think at one point I had 10 different hard drives out to 10 different editors. And I thought, okay, it might be time to hire somebody. <laughs> you know, and I, don't, I really didn't know. I, I was like, how many clients do you need? And our industry is for the events, you can have reoccurring contracts, but in video world, a lot of times people don't think they need something until four or five weeks out. You're lucky if it's two or three months out. And so there's always a, there was always a little bit of risk for me that I felt, well, we're doing really good right now, but you know, what does six months look like? Um, but once I had about 10 drives out and I had contracted about, you know, three fourths of a salary and it was only July, I thought, okay, it's time to hire somebody. Um, and so I did. And then um, once I got to a point, I don't know if I have a formula or a principle, but I try to operate the business much like Dave Ramsey's financial piece. So we, we're always six months out. We have an emergency fund that has three months expenses in it, which I know for launchers can seem, how can I ever get there? But anytime we made extra money, instead of taking extra money home, we just put it in a business money market account and said, no, we want to build up an emergency fund. So technically, if everybody fired us, we'd be fully funded for six to seven months. Wow, that that's huge right there. That's, <laughs> that's big. That's a lot of wisdom, and uh, congrats on that. Yeah. So I think, um, but we're also trying to hire for where we want to be in, in three to four you know, months from now, not where we are right now. Um, 
and that's kind of that's kind of the formula that I'm following. Um, so but that, I like to contract people out before I hire them. Okay, so, so there's several key ideas yeah, there. You sorry, just, I didn't you, answer no, 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 real clearly. No, you did, but you you just unpacked a lot because you're you're setting aside money to mm -hmm. create a safety net. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you're trying to hire for what you're going to need a little bit ahead of exactly when you need it. Right. So there's a balance there. Mm -hmm. Th those are big ideas. Yeah. And I think having that, um, being three months ahead, so the money we're making now is for payroll in July, right? But that allows me also when I find the right person to say, well, I can take a little bit of risk and hire you because we're far out instead of being month to month. Right. So that's also why we're trying to kind of keep ahead of things. And, um, but yeah, so we'll see. Now, a couple of final questions and we'll let you go. Other than the Launch University podcast, what have you, <laughs> what book have you read or resource? Obviously, you mentioned your mentor, but is there anything yeah. else that you, you could mm -hmm. say, this has really helped me mm -hmm. grow? The Emith is the number one book that okay. I say launchers should read. Um, changed my entire perspective. I actually have my whole staff read it because I mm -hmm. think it's important for them to understand, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a technician? So mm -hmm. that's the number one book. And I know, Jeff, you'll love this one, but Creativity Inc. is another one that's required for our mm -hmm. entire staff, um, especially with what we do. The biggest thing I brought away from that is research. Yeah. No matter what you're doing, whether you're in a creative space or not, the amount of research they talk about in that book and what they do is so important. Um, so that's been a big game changer. And then Jeff went on his holy pilgrimage to Pixar last <laughs> year. So I need to tell you that story sometime. But anyway, I would love to do that. But um, and then the third thing that I do is I listen to um, Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast. I think that's another thing that has very tactical information. I wish he did it more frequently, um, but it's once a month. It's a it's a leadership podcast, and he gives very tangible takeaways of things that you can Im implement that day. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of the, That's great. the three things that I try to digest. That's awesome. Now you're gracious enough to let us tour Atlanta Tech Village. You started here at a desk, right? And yes. then as you grow, you actually get to have bigger space, but then you're about to launch into your own space. Yes. Uh, you're going to move here, but tell us a little bit about that process before we let you go. So when I started um, PullSpark and kind of had a few clients, one of my friends said, hey, there's this really small event that happens every month at Atlanta Tech Village and they stream it online. It's one camera, they stream it. And th this is, I think, what's really important for those of us that are launching is you can never underestimate some of the small stuff. Hmm. And she said, hey, I think it's a big community and they're looking for somebody to stream it do you think that, you know, you would be interested? Well, I'm not the technician. So this is money out of my pocket if I want to take this on. Right? right. I'm just leading the business. And so I came and toured the building and realized, oh my goodness, this is a, this is a building in the heart of Buckhead that has over 200 companies in it that are all launching businesses and they're connected with the city of Atlanta. This is, this has potential. I wasn't clear on what the potential was, and so we started doing it. And then a few months in, I sat down and Karen said, you know, have you gotten any business from this yet? And I said, well, not yet. And she said, well, why don't you come in office here and we'll trade out? So we started trading out. They gave me a single desk and we started streaming. And then being around other entrepreneurs and people that are launching gives you this kind of fire and drive that you need to keep going. Hmm. And you kind of, you, at that point, you almost feel like you're not doing it alone. Um, and so just being here in the building really helped me 
think, okay, we can do this. And the idea here is you start at a desk and then you move into an office and all the offices pretty much are one room and they can have three person offices up to like 10 person offices and then suites that connect. And, um, a lot of companies have come out of Atlantic village like Calendly, but, um, because of being involved in Atlantic village, it's opened doors with, um, the chamber of commerce for us. We're doing video work for them for choose ATL. That's going to be on the Thea network. Um, and a bunch of other companies, uh, Venture Atlanta, we're involved with now. All these things came from the relationship with Atlanta Tech Village. Hmm. So, principal, I, I almost hear you saying is the environment in which you're hanging out, the space itself mm-hmm. can be a fuel source as yeah. you're trying to kind of get mm-hmm. something launched. Well, and I saw uh, something on the wall over there that says startups are hard community shouldn't be exactly and yeah. that 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 was great and that's the whole thing here in Atlantic Village's community we have community lunch um, but you can literally walk down into another office and say hey what paperwork did you file <laughs> you know and um, <laughs> do I need to file with the city of Atlanta you know um, and questions I mean I found my insurance all the insurance I needed I found through here there's mentors that you can meet with my accounting guy I found through here. And so really, we've kind of built our business off of the network here to some degree. So it's really been an incubator hub for us, which now Atlanta is the fourth largest tech hub in the United States. So we're here at, at the place, you know. Wow. Well, Emma, I'm still sad you left going at church, but congratulations. <laughs> and uh, thanks for being a Launch University Thank superstar. You. How can our listeners, if they've got an event or they would love to go through the creative process or if they just want to ask you for an idea, how can they stay in touch with you? Yeah, you can just email me directly. I always want to make sure I'm available at Emma, E-M-M-A, at PoolSpark.com. So, yeah, that's how you can find us. Great. I can't wait till next year's Chick-fil-A <laughs> Red uh, Award Show to see what tricks you're going to pull we'll out We'll see if we can top this last year and these last two years. Oh, know. my goodness. I can't wait. Well, before we let you go, don't forget to subscribe to the Launch University podcast and check out Elevator Pitch. We'd love to help make your idea turn it into reality and sustain it so emma thanks and we'll we'll see you next time on launch university thanks for listening to the launch university podcast we hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker be sure to subscribe on itunes and leave a review for more helpful resources visit launchuniversity.com